All right. Well, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the. Well, and you obviously are listening to this. You're listening to the first episode, the inaugural episode of my podcast, In the Band, the podcast hosted by myself, Michael Goldman. Um, it feels weird to kind of talk about myself right now because I'm in my room by myself and my dog's staring at me weirdly. But just to give you a little bit of background about the host of this show, myself, I'm 27 years old. I've been a touring musician since I was 17, 18 years old-ish. And at a certain point, I realized this is this is my life. This is a career that I've kind of chosen uh, kind of accidentally. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to start talking to other people that have found themselves in this position, whether it's you know very similar to mine, or they're just an artist that's following their passion, doing their thing. You know, we all we all have different dreams that get us to doing the same sort of job. And it's the minutia and the the extraction of fulfillment that I find really fascinating. Because we all have a different story that led us to being potentially in the same venue, playing the same show on the same night. And everybody does it differently, you know? So there's a lot to learn from just speaking to other touring musicians or other other musicians that are out there doing it in the world. So if you're somebody who enjoys live music, if you're somebody who wants to play live music, if you're somebody that does play live music, or you like Game of Thrones, or you like dogs, or you don't like Game of Thrones, and you don't like dogs, hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast. And it's been a really amazing time for me just meeting a lot of people that I thought from a distance were really cool, and then decreasing that distance and realizing that they're just as cool or even cooler than I thought they were. And it's really fun to be able to launch this podcast with my first interview being Kayflay. I interviewed her when we were both playing at this festival in Cleveland, Ohio, and it was actually a really fun time. I'd never quite found out how to pronounce that, and that comes up pretty early on in the episode. I just, it fell through the cracks. I'm a musician. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, uh, she was way more interesting than I thought she was going to be. Not that I thought she wasn't going to be interesting. It just was like really surprising that, you know, to meet other musicians or uh, artists that actually have their shit totally together too and like are really with it, are really work very hard. So that was really fun. And it's very obvious when you listen to her music and everything that she does that she really puts a lot of thought into it. So that meticulousness is paying off for her. And, uh, you know, I'll let her explain that for herself as well in the rest of the episode. So I hope you enjoy. I'm do you, can I call you Christine? Is yeah, that that's right? perfect. Okay. Yeah. I asked Paul. It seemed like everyone calls you Christine yeah, yeah, around 100%. here. But I'm here with Kayflay, Christine. We're in Cleveland. Um, we're both performing at, in- is it Incua? You know what? We were talking about this last night. I thought it was like Incuya. Incuya. <laughs> well, we need to figure it out. So I'm going to do an intro and I will put in whatever the correct thing is okay. before this. And uh, I read it as Incua. Maybe it's Insuya. You that know, sounds. That sounds weird. Yeah, that doesn't. I think sound it's right. a hard C. In Incuya. But it's, I like that too. I'm sure. I'm sure whatever it is, we're not pronouncing it. I correctly. think you know what it might be. Incoya, like something like crazy like that. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. It comes from like a Native American Correct. tribe that used to live here or something. Or I'm just like totally making that up, <laughs> and I'm gonna offend 
Native Americans. So that's that's kind of we we thought that too. Yeah, that it was like. So you've gone over all. <laughs> We've gone over this. Okay. Well, we kind of like we had a very long Ethiopian dinner last night. Okay. Actually, I'll just shout it out here. If you ever in yeah, it was in Cleveland Heights. It's called Zoma. 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 Awesome. They Do came you... through with a delicious vegetarian <laughs> food. Do you eat a lot of Ethiopian food in L.A.? You know, we were just talking about this. I don't. I only ever eat Ethiopian food on tour because okay. my production manager, Paul, mm-hmm. we met, um, is vegetarian and loves Ethiopian food. Okay, so it just makes sense to have it on. And tour. we just defer to him. No one cares. Yeah, no one's too picky. But we were talking about. I was like, I've. I don't think I've ever had Ethiopian in L.A. Like I've never been because they were saying it's on good Fairfax. Spots. Yeah, that's right? little Ethiopia there. So I need to go. Yeah, near Canner's Deli-ish area. Oh. To get back onto you. <laughs> um, so, uh, where would you say you are right now in your career? Ooh. Um. Well, I'm kind of at. I'm like merging on to a, a new freeway mm-hmm. that's like headed in a s- similar direction as the other freeway <laughs> I was on, but it's just a different one, maybe. Um, maybe it's like mul- more more lanes. More like, lanes. Yeah, yeah. They're a little like yeah. more treacherous, but like possibly and potentially like a HOV lane. There's a carpool lane, a hundred percent. So I might be able to like skip traffic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like, you know... The, I like that that way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought I, of it that I way know, before. I think I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, I'm, I think my kind of career in general has been a very, like, for... Like, there's there's been a positive slope mm-hmm. throughout, though the, the rate of that slope has obviously varied across yeah. the course of time. Um, but, yeah, I kind of feel like this... This is sort of the end of the record cycle for my last album. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the process of working on the next one, which has been going really well. And, you know, have some shows this year. But for yeah. the most part, this is just like a... Because you've been touring a lot the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. And you have a lot of this fall coming up off yeah, just to work on music. It, yeah, exactly. And we actually originally, and this was like kind of a stressful experience, we originally, and it had been booked a long time ago, had a European headline run, like a three-week run, mm-hmm. booked in October, thinking that like the first single would have been out already. Okay. But oh, like, for, the, for the next album? For the next album. Okay. But the process of working on the album has been so good, and I'm feeling like I want to... For the first time in my life, I don't want to just like fucking like yeah. scramble. And like we got it. Throw it out there. Exactly. You want to take your time on it. And like really like put something together that's like kind of cohesive and like visually makes sense and conceptually yeah. makes sense. Um, well, how, how much bigger was this album than uh, your album that came out, what, 2014? Yes, 2014. Um, well, so the record that came out 2014 was called Life is a Dog. And that was just, I put that out, my manager and I started a little indie label and we put yeah. that out. On that, and that was kind of. I really like the name. What was the name of that? Life is a dog. No, no, the oh. uh, the indie label. Oh, bummer picnic. Bummer picnic. Thank yeah, you. I, I was reading that. I was like, that's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, our motto is there. There are ants at the picnic. That's the motto of oh, okay. the, the label. Um, so, and and that record was like kind of. I was just coming off my first record deal getting off of that and that was kind of a very like dizzying disorienting experience did you have a record that never came out i had a lot of songs i had so when i was originally signed to rca very early in my career and i put out 
Is this after Single and Famous? F- yeah, this this is after that. Okay. Um, this is, I guess, I probably signed there in 2012, mm-hmm. something like that. Put out a few EPs. They kind of, like, let me do that and didn't really, like, impede that process, which, is, yeah. which was awesome. But I was never... Uh, there was never the feeling that there was like a single or that there would be a record, which yeah. in retrospect, I'm actually kind of grateful for because I don't think I really knew who I was or what I was doing yeah. fundamentally. On When you that, are where you are now. So yeah. I got you here. So it's totally fine. But that, so that first record was really like, I was kind of, I left in New York where I had been living and I wasn't living anywhere. And I kind of just put that out. Being yeah. Like, well, I don't even know anymore. Like, here we go. And when you say put that out, you mean the EPs or, or the, the album? The album. Oh, okay, yeah. And just kind of like feeling, not lost, but sort of a little bit, just I think disoriented would be the, yeah. the best way to, to put it. And well, also maybe like if I don't put it on an album, then what the fuck am I doing? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and it had been, I'd been in that process that like a lot of musicians get in when they first sign to a major label, which is like you get put in with a million producers. Yeah. It's just like a very... They want you to write with everyone. Yeah. And they just want a single. That's and all I they had, care about. You know, I hadn't really like worked with, pe- collaborated with people in that way. So I was just like, I didn't even know the the, yeah. the protocol, I guess, on some level or what, what to look for in that yeah. kind of working relationship. So, yeah. So that, there's definitely, yeah, that's a learning curve. It is a learning curve. Um, and... Yeah, so that first record, I I guess this is a meandering way of saying, I think that first record was kind of just me re-discovering like myself and what I wanted to be about, both in terms of like, hey, I want to do things like as authentically as possible and with people that I care about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, Which is the best place to come from, I think. Which is an amazing place. Because even if it... The great thing about that is like, it's kind of like going on a trip with your best friend. It doesn't really matter if the trip sucks because you're with your best friend. Yeah. It's like we did it. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, actually, I was just reminiscing my like two best girlfriends from college. We took a trip to Oxnard when we <laughs> <laughs> when we were like t- right from, out of, wait, from where though? From I oh God, I don't. Well, we were all kind of in different places. Like two of them were in L.A. I was in the Bay and we like went on a trip for people listening to this who don't know Oxnard. Yeah. There's no disrespect to Oxnard. It's just not a destination for a, I grew up with it being called the Nard. Okay. The yeah. Nard. So <laughs> we took like a trip to the, like an intentional trip to the Nard and which was like, obviously a complete roast. Like we were, we got there and we're like, what are we doing? Like but... what, what was, what were you going to do in Oxnard? <laughs> We were like gonna, look at the office buildings. We were gonna <laughs> look at office buildings. We, we, we went to the beach. Okay, yeah. So we did, I've never gone to the beach there. There's actually like good surfing there and stuff. People, okay. there are like beach things to enjoy. But we were talking about the other day, like that's still one of the most fun things we ever did. <laughs> even though we went to the weirdest place. The company is more important than anything else. Yeah. So I it's mean, like if your record tanks or like no one likes what you do or you've. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. At least if you're with people, if you do it with people that you love and like genuinely like creating things with, I think there's inherent value. So, yeah. Um that was like the the ethos for that record and has been the ethos henceforth. But I think this last album in terms of like, you know, like I had songs on the radio, like in terms of commercial success. Yeah. Or more mainstream exposure. It wasn't like a huge. It's not like I had like a number one international smash hit, but 
it had more exposure. Yeah. So that was like the the cut seems like it's done pretty well. Yeah, that definitely did well. And we had, um, I guess three songs, three singles. Yeah. On on, that got like played on the radio, which is which was cool because I kind of not to say I didn't have any expectations, but I kind of didn't. If you get to your third single, you know that something's going on because yeah. oftentimes they don't really give a shit about the second one yeah. if the first one wasn't exciting enough. Totally. Even, yeah. Um so so yeah, I felt like this last record was just like again, kind of another freeway. Yeah. Like the first first one was like a two-lane road and yeah. a three-lane. Three lane. From Life is a Dog to this I it doesn't seem like it's like you haven't changed too much. It's just like the production and maybe like just more time in in a specific studio rather than yeah anything being changed because listening to them back to back it's like they both feel like uniquely you yeah i think thank you i mean i think yeah the biggest developments to me are like the yeah the production and maybe me being a little bit more uh, like i revise more when i'm writing like i think i'm a little bit more strict with myself in terms of trying to like maybe there's more there's more of a density of detail in the new record totally yeah and I think you know, with with the new stuff, it seems it it seems like maybe yeah. In this last record, you're taking advantage of every second more so. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally, and I, that's a great way to put it because I think I'm. It's just to me like I came into music late, and I've been a late bloomer my entire life. Like, that's the theme of my life. Like, I should put that on my tombstone actually. Like, which would be late kind bloomer. of funny. Um, but like everything I like eight years after it happened. Yeah. Like I was actually just listening. Do you know a band called Yellow Ostrich? No. I, I the name sounds familiar, but Yeah. I'd never heard of them. They're not I think they're like not a band anymore. Okay. But like I just got into their album from two thousand and ten. Like this okay. is my style. Like I'm like, yeah. oh, do you like Have it? you heard of the strokes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's like kind of my vibe. Yeah. Um but it's it's I think just the theme of my life for better or worse. So it's like with each record like i really am learning things like it's not just me being like i want to make this kind of thing i really don't know what i'm doing on some level and am learning so like but honestly everyone is there it's just some people don't want to admit that and i think the people who don't admit that end up narrowing themselves down because they're and i People can't see what I'm doing, but I'm motioning yeah. my hands in an outward <laughs> motion. And that's, I think that's the best way to live as an artist because then you can continue to grow and adapt. But then there are certain bands that go inward and all their recordings sound like they're just trying to be more like themselves than they have been before, which I don't think is a is that's not really progress to me right. as an artist. Yeah, that's it's kind of like a navel gazing perspective on some, you know what I mean? Navel like, gazing? Do you know that? <laughs> no, is that? It's like, like when, looking at an orange or at your belly button? At your belly button. Okay. Like looking inward so deeply okay. that yeah, yeah. it's the opposite of the outward motion. It's like... Is that a thing I should know about navel gazing? I mean, I definitely did not make that up. Now, it's okay. possible, like, I could have just, like, read it in a book and now I believe that it's, like, a common term. It sounds like a like a Mormon sexual term. It totally yeah. does. Navel gazing. Yeah. Or, like, a weird euphemism. It's... Yeah, to my exactly. knowledge, it is not. And it just is, like... It's like a, you know, a solipsistic kind of, like it's connected to that <laughs> yeah. vibe. Well, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... um, but I, yeah, that's, that's very, I think, I think too much, I think thinking about yourself too much, no matter if you're just a person in the world who's making things or not making things or whatever the hell you're yeah. doing, I think is very dangerous. Well, I think there's a time and a place for it. Like, sure. Like, like. 
but only because you haven't been. Only because it's like, hey, time to check in, and then be like, oh, yeah. let me let me dig all this up and be like, oh, I didn't wasn't thinking about this, and then yeah. and then maybe talk or sing about that. A hundred percent. It's it's one of those funny things because like, and I was talking to my friend the other day about this. Like when you're depressed, and I don't I don't get very depressed. I get anxious, but I don't I don't really feel depressed very often, um, and don't suffer from it. But one of the like perverse things about it is you become really self-centered yeah you know like again and i don't even mean in a like selfish way like you want more toys but it's like you become it's like navel gazing to the nth degree and that's like the really strange thing about i think when people are dealing with like emotional psychological turmoil is you're so inside of yourself like there's something to me very potentially dangerous about being too inside of yourself all of the time well not to go too far off of where we were going just now but i think that's um like i always have like a post-tour depression if i've like been gone for over a month usually like three to four weeks plus i'll have like like four to six days of kind of like being depressed after the tour and i think it's kind of part of that it's like you're surrounded by people all the time so you don't have even that much time to think about yourself you're just constantly surrounded by situations that are always evolving and you get really used to that. And I think I definitely crave like alone time. And then when I get home, a lot of times I'm by myself for so long for like the first week. And I think what ends up making me depressed is the like, I'm just thinking about, I'm just going inward the entire time. And I kind of like, it's maybe not the healthiest thing, but to escape that, I want to just be with my friends and be with people because it's like, I, I be forced to focus on other things, I guess. Uh, uh, totally. I mean, I'm I'm actually like struggling at on some level right now to rewire my brain to process, live in, and enjoy the quiet. Yeah, it's you a, know? it's like you get used to being on tour and the whole mode. It's and never quiet at home. It's like the fuck. I <laughs> I need to set up a like I want I almost, I want to get like a job. You know, like just give myself yeah. structure because I end up like treating. It it takes me like honestly two to three weeks of being home to be like I get it I know how to do this now yeah because I'm usually just like living the same way I do on tour I wake up and try to find like good coffee and stuff yeah but then I yeah yeah and it's weird because I I find that I have this thing like the clock strikes ten or nine and I'm like okay what's happening where where are we going what are we doing yeah and like I can see my my housemates there's two of them they're a couple one of whom I went to the Nard with nice. <laughs> Just to refer back, um, you know, it's like nine, ten hits. They're like, okay, now we're gonna wind down, and I'm like oh, yeah. trying to ramp up, and I feel like I'm, I like actually need to rewire my brain to like get used to that, a different kind of like rhythm of life. So I think I find the quiet like, the quiet is like my weird enemy. Yeah, and I think it should be my friend, and I'm working on it being my friend. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like I'm half old man, <laughs> like half touring musician, where like. I either have to, I'm either like, I'm either going to be up till three or four or I'm like at five, I'm having a glass of wine, <laughs> like winding right. down and like, I'm just going to like watch TV, lay in bed, like smoke some weed. And that's, that's my night. And if people text me at like 10 to go out, I'm like, I'm in old man mode at yeah. this point. I'm not doing that. See, I can't, but, I have no old man mode. <laughs> like I have no, yeah. I need to, I need to have that gear in my car on yeah. the freeway. To how just you... <laughs> continue this analogy ad nauseum. Yeah. How do you? Yeah. How do you find a way to become an old person? 
Well, maybe it's not black and white, you know, it's not. Yeah. I think part of it is, is routine. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, you, you know, strangely enough, I was a very, very regimented um, teenager and kid mm-hmm. and sought out structure both like subconsciously and quite intentionally and was extremely dis I'm still disciplined in different ways, but extremely disciplined. Like I look Mm. back at myself and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, I didn't even have pop or soda for like, because someone had told me they were like, Oh, this is, it's not good for you. So I just stopped drinking it for like six years. I'm not kidding you. And I drank only water, sometimes orange juice, never drank alcohol. That's good though. I mean, like, no, I know, but I was just like, I look back at myself and I was so, I was like a soldier of my own design and music and this like career in life has really kind of like put that into the spin cycle. And I think, I think I, I went like so far off into the deep end that I don't know. Yeah. I need to, I need to come back. But I think that's a, if that's a better place to start than the opposite side, it's, it's much harder to go from, from the other side into discipline to come from discipline and then be able to take a step back and look at like, well, maybe that's not all of how I'm supposed to live my life. Right. And that's, but, that's the, I think that's the reckoning for me. Like that's the hard part. Yeah. It's hard for everyone is balance and middle ground. Like extremes are, I don't want to say easy, but I think they are pretty easy. Like totally. it's easy to be like, I work out every day. My, like I organize my life and schedule so that I work out every day. It's also easy to be like, I never work out. I don't fucking care. It's hard to be it's, like three days a week. I'm going to figure out, yeah. you know, it's just, that's it, hard hum, to do. It's hard for humans to be liquid like that. I mm-hmm. think it's much easier to be like, no, no, no. I understand life is, life is this way and yeah. that's how I'm going to do it. And then if someone's like, maybe it's this way, it's nope, you're wrong. This is how it has to be for me. But yeah, uh, yeah I think that that's definitely, I guess, part of the struggle is just finding balance in everything. But who would disagree with that? <laughs> no one but it's it's interesting because like nobody even like people who i think i i look at from afar and i'm like you're a balanced person like mm-hmm. you have it figured out when i speak with them about like hey how are you doing are you feeling they're like they feel an imbalance like everyone yeah. i think everyone's always negotiating that space it's like well i think everybody's lost or just in denial that they're lost <laughs> i think that's all I think that's the entire this journey. This is an uplifting conversation. <laughs> You're all lost. But but if you can accept being lost, then it's just I, like, it. I don't know, it's just different understandings of what that means, I well, guess. Well, yeah, I think, you know, on some level, because I had a real problem it, when I was around like 19, where I was just so, so I grew up without with religion mm-hmm. in my upbringing and was, you know, sort of raised in, in a very pragmatic scientific environment of like you if when you die you your molecules like go (laughs) back into the earth and you know you're there is no consciousness or whatever yeah after after you're dead um which was sort of a frightening way to be a young person Mm. on some level for me um and yeah when i was in college i was really really like struggling with just thinking, I was just getting these crazy spirals about like, so what is it like after I die? You know, what is this going to be like? Yeah. And the more I thought about it, it was a form of navel gazing. Like yeah. I just went into this kind of like iterative cycle that was really upsetting to me. Like it, it's, I guess 
it was like a fundamental terror that I felt, you know, just like, mm. just true, like spiritual terror or something. Yeah. And I had to like go to a psychologist. This was part of other problems too, but part of that process, I think actually ended up informing like my musical life and my life thereafter, which is, Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which was basically to say like, there have been lots of smarter people that have lived on planet earth before me and there will be after and like there is no consensus on what death constitutes or what the experience after death is like yeah so like i may as well just well, nobody's qualified to tell you yeah no exactly <laughs> yeah. nobody's qualified and like i may as well accept that uncertainty like the kind only... of actively yeah and enjoy the elements of it and i think like feeling lost in a very simple ways of like should I work out today? Should I not? Like, kind of like, in a weird way, enjoying that freedom or uncertainty or like being at sea. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like the point. Well, I mean, it's hard to actually acknowledge and accept the amount of freedom we actually have. And it's hard to pursue that freedom. Yeah. It's much easier to be like, well, this is how things are done, you know? But like, totally. Like, this is how I saw other people doing it. You know, sometimes I want to just get up and like go find. I don't know, like, I'm going to go find a reservoir and just, like, sit there. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's just something I could do. <laughs> totally. And no one would know. No one can stop me, you know? <laughs> like, maybe I'm just going to go to the weirdest town in, like, Russia and yeah. just meet somebody, you know, and then come home. <laughs> I, I can fucking do that. You can do it. But we don't take advantage of those freedoms. But that's, you know, that's, I guess what we're here to do. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, maybe this can be a call to action for people listening. Maybe today or tomorrow or this week, just do something for the sheer purpose of yeah. exercising your own freedom. Even if like you have constraints, like people that depend on you or children or yeah. like whatever, or crazy job or you don't have a lot of money at the moment. Like there's probably something within your world. Yeah. Go on, you... go on, go on a walk in your neighborhood down a street you never have or yeah. go to a museum or. These are great suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, this was quite a tangent. I don't yeah, even know we, oh. what we were talking about. <laughs> well, we, we were talking about death. We were talking um, about death. So my father was a musician, and he passed away when I was 11. Oh. And I read that your father passed mm -hmm. away when you were 14, and he mm -hmm. was also a musician. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how much of that, like, because like, for me, I think most of, like, me picking up the guitar was because he had guitars, and he played guitar. And I was like, whoa. He, I have his guitars. Like, I want to do what he did kind of yeah. thing. And that was kind of an intro to songwriting for me was like, cause he wrote songs. We so he was like a professional. No, he, he just like, he made albums at home, never released anything. He got sick and was trying to like finish up this album before he died. Then he was cancer is in remission. He deleted the album was like, I'm alive. I'm going to redo the whole thing. And halfway through that, he got really sick again. So he didn't, he wasn't ever able to finish that record. But oh. he was always playing around the house, and like it was always a passion of his. But he never did it professionally. But, Got it. Yeah. But anyway, so like that was super informative, and I think like the first until I was like eighteen, I only ever wrote songs about that. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's um yeah a landmark experience to have as a young person. Um, yeah. Yeah. My dad also was just like a hobbyist guitar player. Um, but you know, interestingly, I didn't get in. I didn't start doing music till I was out of the house and I had left and I was living in California. I was going to 
to college. Um, okay. But I think, you know, for me on some level, it's like a way to kind of like be connected to him and his legacy. And I know it like definitely has made my, my parents split up like 10 years before he died. Mm -hmm. But you know, my mom still has obviously like love for him. They were together for a long time. Yeah. They had me. And I think everyone kind of feels like happy that there's like, excuse me, that there's like a, a thread or something. It's yeah. kind of like a nice thing for the family. Like yeah. my dad used to play with my uncle and like jam and stuff. And like my uncle that's sweet. is, you know, like it's, it's a nice feeling for them too. That's not sort of intentionally why I've done this, but mm-hmm. I think for them, because they knew my dad when he was a young man, you know, in his twenties and thirties, it's kind of like, I don't yeah. know, historically nice, but, yeah. um, but yeah, he kind of like, he did teach me how to play the like basic guitar, but he wasn't the impetus on some level. Okay. So a little different to you. Um, but probably provided some uh, stuff to need to talk about <laughs> or need to sing about, I oh, assume. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I don't know if this is, has been the case for you like since that period when you were a teenager, but my, because... In like, and out. Yeah, like because, you, so your dad, like, let's say you're conscious starting age five. Yeah. So it's like you knew your dad for six years. Yeah. It's like not a lot of time. I know. You're like, like I don't really know that person. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of the funny thing is like, you know, when you're when you're a teenager, you could be like, yeah, my this person died two years yeah. ago. And it's like everything feels so f- immediate and like full. Right. Your yeah. life just feels like you're like, I have all the experiences. And, and then you get older and, you know, I reached a point where I was like, I've been alive longer with my dad not alive yeah exactly. then you know and i kind of you especially know, like you can't really even count those for several years exactly exactly so i think for me what has happened and it's kind of an interesting thing and is that he's like a character that mm-hmm. i've kind of like invented on some level because there's a lot and i don't know the situation with your your dad but my dad's side of the family is like either all they're mainly dead okay or like there's no one to ask Okay. Questions. There's a couple people that are still around, but they're they don't give a lot of answers. Yeah. So there's just a lot of mystery surrounding my father that I that I truly will never be able to solve. Yeah. That's and a I think by virtue of that, he's I've been able to sort of you know like shape him as this like fictional. Well, it's kind of like an infatuation with a celebrity or yeah. something. It's just like it seems. Seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so I think that's that's kind of happened for me in the in the songwriting process is like he, my dad is able to stand in for a lot of different kinds of feelings, you know, like Yeah. F- legacy. Like I mean a big one's just legacy period which I'm very interested in, but like I think that's crazy because I have another dad who and maybe you do too, who like adopted me and, you know, raised me. Yeah. And I'm very similar to him. Yeah. Not my biological dad, but like, so I think a lot about like, but you have a good relationship with your stepfather. Oh yeah. Super, super great. That's awesome. Me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and it's lucky because so lucky. I know a lot of people that don't have that great of a relationship with their step parent. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Having, having the right person that gets how to be as like a, not a real parent, but like, basically there yeah and i had a very unique situation because my um tom my my stepdad came into my life when i was like two 
and got he and my mom got together when I was like six or okay. something. So I, he's been like my dad, okay, yeah, you know what I mean? Like for a while. And my brother and sister, I have grown up with since I was a you know super small child. So it's there is kind of this, it's like a deeper like stepdad. Sometimes I'm just like that doesn't encapsulate. So now I just say my other dad, but then people yeah. think I have. Um, two gay male <laughs> parents which is totally fine yeah. i also have a mom but whatever yeah. we're living in like it's 2018 yeah. the world's like becoming insane anyway yeah. so that I, yeah you don't want to say like my dad because that feels like almost cheapening to your real dad but then it doesn't stepdad doesn't feel like enough i always yeah. just try to refer to them as my parents same like, 100 like, yeah that's and then, and then leave it at that <laughs> totally but it is I've, I've started saying and maybe you, you want to i don't know if you're other dad adopted you or if you guys have legal status in that I don't way. know if he technically adopted me. I mean, he's been my stepdad. You would step probably know because you have to go to court. Or uh, I, I did. I didn't have to go to court, so I don't know. Anyway. I want to give him a hard time about that. Yeah, give him a hard time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've started, I've in the last few years, just say my other dad. And people kind of don't question me. Um, or I just say my dad because it's I can't explain. I don't want to yeah. explain anything. The other thing too, though, is like everyone I've met pretty much in my, who knows me now, Tom is my dad. Yeah. They don't know anyone else. So they're yeah. like, you're yeah, dad. Exactly. Cause he, you know what I'm saying? So it's, that's like a weird thing too. Or you get, do you get the, I have a lot of friends like, oh yeah, your dad. I, I, I mean like your stepdad. <laughs> it's like, you're not insulting me by just yeah. saying, calling him my dad. I, know. I think that's sweet though, because people people sense and feel they recognize an the intimacy. relationship yeah. you know what i mean like i think that's pretty beautiful like it's even it's almost like when you're out with your like best friend and they're like oh are you guys sisters oh yeah i, or, I don't know if that ever happens to you i've like, never gotten sisters but, but, brothers yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like where it's like oh you sense that there's a closeness between us and like yeah. a natural way of being in a love or whatever that like just feels good yeah Okay, shout out to all the great step parents <laughs> and second parents and, in the, in and the world. And good friends. And good yeah. friends. Well, so you started playing music when you were in college then. That's like really yes. where it all started. Had you wanted to before? Because one of the questions I like to ask is like how much of a choice was this kind of career, this lifestyle? People get into it for different reasons. I mean, a lot of bands that I've met, they're like, oh, I loved Coldplay and I wanted to be like that. And like that's a very different thing than like oh I needed to express myself and so I started writing. Right. Um, I think I had neither of those experiences. Okay. I would I would say that it was very much a choice. I feel like every step of the way I like had to say yes. Okay. And like continue down the path because I was I was definitely in a very academic mindset. I loved school and was interested in like continuing to do academic pursuits after I graduated. Okay. What um, What did you Where did you see yourself going? It's kind of hard to say now, but I sort of like don't remember on some level. (laughs) But you just in a direction that was going to take you somewhere. But you wanted you just wanted to learn. Yeah, you know, I was like kind of at the tail end of college. Got interested in like quantitative sociological research and like where that could take me, and that was like what I was interested in. I think for me, music was a constant choice and. I like to think that there's like some weird part of me that understood that I needed to like go out into the middle of the ocean and this would be the only way for me to, to do that. Okay. Because again, I was like very, it's like hard to emphasize how regimented I was hmm. in a certain way. You know, I think I really found comfort in the, the that structure. I mean, that discipline and structure probably has really paid off for you <laughs> musically. 
at, for, as an outsider looking at Kayflay as a project, it seems like there's you put a lot of work into every little thing. I mean, like the the live singing that I've seen. I haven't seen you perform live. I will today. It seems like you put a lot of time in just being a really good singer because your pitch is like perfect, and your diction's really good. It's like it's Thanks. pretty polished. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I have a good work ethic. I'm not always <laughs> making great things, but I I definitely try um, and and like to work hard. I find like. I don't know if it's like the Midwesterner in me, but like I find just like working hard at something to be kind of valuable. Yeah. And so I, th- I think music was not, I never felt like compelled. Like I have these emotions I need to express. However, once I, once I found out that I could have all of these really interesting experiences and stimulating experiences through music and music was the conduit for that, mm-hmm. then I kind of felt compelled it was so, so it, music is more of a way for you to just live your life correct that's yeah. a, i think that's a great way of because you know what I, I say this frequently but it's so true like every day i wake up and i'm like today could change it all like d- today i like i find this job even when it's like frustrating and demoralizing and upsetting or like whatever negative adjectives there are it's just interesting Yes. It's really interesting. And like if That's you, the most exciting part about it yeah. is it's just not normal. It's There's just a lot it, of not yeah. normal things constantly happening. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think like as a person who I, I f- I'm very curious. So in a weird way like it kind of makes sense to me cuz like I think why I loved school also is just like I'm very curious about the world. And this you know making music and traveling because of it and touring has given me a way to satisfy a big curiosity Mm -hmm. which is how do people live what are people interested in what are people like you meet a lot of different people yeah like even today we're just yeah like (laughs) we're having like a pretty you know in-depth conversation and like for you know in a in a more normal professional context like you're you're interacting with sort of the same set of people every day um and that's not to denigrate that at all but for me you know, once I figured out that music could give me compelling experiences constantly, mm-hmm. no matter what the valence, like if they're positive or harrowing or whatever, yeah. I was sort of, I was in. I like to think of life as just trying to compile the most amount of experience into a short amount of time. Yeah. And so it seems like that's a similar motto for you. Because whether it's good or bad, as long as it's informing you, yeah. then it's still good. Totally. I mean, barring, as long as it doesn't fuck you up, right? <laughs> and, like, and I think, yeah, of course, like barring like violence and horrible pain, obviously yeah, those I, things I, not the, included. You don't need those things. <laughs> you do not need those things. Yeah. Um, but you know, like heartbreak is good. Like uh, you learn sure. so much from from certain pains. Some kind of pain. I think any type of pain that isn't cruel, or you know, I, because, I think there's natural pain, and then there's like kind of created natural pain yeah unnatural yeah. pain that, that's yeah. an excellent way of thinking right natural pain like the pain of like missing someone yeah passing away before you yeah. that's the natural order that's or okay some sort of growing pain yeah right. versions of natural pain are part of the human experience yeah unnatural pain is not and therefore sucks bad and is bad and, <laughs> it is bad yeah. and it's that that unnatural pain i think that fucks people up yeah. and unfortunately like unnatural pain begets unnatural pain yeah it's a bad cycle <sighs> which yeah. i think that's you know 
basically the job of the government, right? Is to try to try to create an environment where there's less unnatural pain yeah. than there was before. Okay, let's send a letter to our government yeah. reminding them of that. Like maybe that should be your only job. <laughs> yeah. We should run on this platform. Yeah. We're the natural pain platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which ma- makes it sound like we're pro pain. Yeah, it does sound like we're. Oh, well, but we are pro pain. Yeah, yeah, like the gas. Like gas. Yeah. <laughs> and our our logo is just one of the propane tanks under a barbecue. Or just someone holding it with like a lighter at the end yeah. of it. Yeah. The natural pain party. Yeah. I'm actually kind of into this. NPP. NPP. You know okay. what NPP? <laughs> well, it's documented. We have. <laughs> this is the birth of a, yeah. of a political of a party. Movement. Yeah. This is the birth of a movement at the Westin in Cleveland. Yeah. Yesterday, I started listening to your Seattle sessions. Is that oh, what it's yeah. called, uh-huh. right? How did you organize that with like the strings and the horns? Like that's basically the composition of all the arrangements, and it's so good. Like that version of High Enough is awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. So I cannot take credit for any of that. Okay. I um and I will happily give credit where it is due. Um. So I worked on that project. Funnily enough, with my friend Josh. Uh, Carp, who goes by Budo as his producer name. Okay. But I met him on like one of the first tours I ever went on. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to be in a duo that I that I opened for, and Josh is based in Seattle, and we. I don't. I think maybe my manager floated me the idea or something. Whatever we were thinking about, like. I forget what how it all kind of started. So Seth, I'm sorry if I'm not giving you proper credit. Um, he's probably not listening to this, so it doesn't matter. Whatever, Seth. He listened um, to the first five minutes. Yeah, he was like, Seth. Okay, he's yeah. like, okay, she's yeah. she's she's on right. the tape. Um, but yeah, and Josh basically like has this great network. So um, Josh did a lot of the last Macklemore record, and like just has this really um, extensive musical network in Seattle. Okay. And so we rented out this awesome studio, and he basically got um you know one person to arrange all the string sections Mm -hmm. one person to do all the horn stuff these are like super talented like musical people like yeah and yeah because the the playing's great and they're yeah all those all those dudes were so so awesome and yeah so i i just you know kind of like oversaw that process and like you know together josh and i were kind of like this is cool you know let's do this but it was really you know i had i had nothing to do with arranging any of that stuff that was like josh and these other musicians in seattle but it was a really fun thing to do and it reminded me and maybe you've had this experience of like often and i think maybe people don't always realize this when they're listening to albums especially in kind of the modern age Often the, what you hear, like the vocal take or the guitar take, mm-hmm. is like the, that song was made yesterday. Like that band hasn't been playing that song for a year and then they recorded uh, yeah. it. You know, whereas yeah. I think that used to be like an older model. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of cool for me because the record when I like the versions you hear on the original record are like, I wrote that song yesterday yeah. and here it is. Yeah, like I wrote one of these verses now now exactly and i recorded it and now this is like the last and now i'm basically married to it yeah yeah yeah. and so it was cool for me because like a year had passed since i'd written those songs and i've been playing them live i think there's a confidence in that too which is why sometimes those sessions are so cool but anyway i just i was so impressed with the production it just sounded so cool and the arrangements like the the, it was it's very fun because there's a lot of sessions that people do and it's like just take the band perform it live but the uh, yeah yeah the reimagining it yeah we wanted to try to do something a little different and I had some time and like we had again it was like 
we had access to these like amazing people. Why would we yeah. not do it? Totally. Again, the freedom. Just like, yeah. why not? Yeah, why the fuck not? Which it made me think, this is a kind of a weird thing to say, but I had this thought after specifically like listening to that. Like your your lyrics are pretty uniquely you and like really refreshing in your way. And it it kind of, like paying attention to your lyrics kind of felt like tasting a kiwi for the first time or something it's like hmm. oh like yeah this like it's fruit but it's 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 this is a different kind of fruit than i've had and it's nice i like it thank you that's a very nice that makes sense at all it I does make sense i appreciate that um yeah i think i was weirded out to find to discover that like my bandmates when they hear a song they don't listen to the lyrics first like they listen to the music and then like maybe on the fifth listen or something like that. Like, yeah, a lot of people are like that. And a lot of people are like that. For me, I like not listening to the music at all. I just listen to the lyrics. And then I like learned about the music. So my focus, and I think just naturally what I'm drawn to and maybe am better at than some of the music stuff is just writing lyrics. Yeah. And I, enjoy, I kind of enjoy lyrics. that puzzle, yeah. Well, because they're like... I guess like dark and comical is kind of how I view a lot of your lyrics. Like, yeah. uh, was the first song on life as a dog? Um, Oh, everyone I know. Yeah. Like but that one in the first line you talk about, like, ev- like they play keys and shitty in <laughs> shitty bands. That's just so, that's a great, like one of the first lyrics of the record. Cause it's yeah. just like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think angst is best when tempered with a little with bit comedy. of comedy, you know, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to swallow. Totally. And that's like, you know, I think early on, I kind of learned the lesson of like, even the moments of natural pain that, that do bring sadness and whatever, there, there's always something yeah. funny happening at the same time. There's always sort of like a third person narrator laughing at you. You just need to like tap into that. Yeah. Yeah, because if the, if you get too far away from that, then it's you're taking yourself too seriously, probably. Yeah, I forget how long. I think it was like two and a half years ago. It was the first time I was like, okay, this must be a smart person. I think you posted a picture of yourself, and the caption said, "If you listen to enough hardcore history, you'll end up at the top of a mountain." <laughs> <laughs> am I is that, am I remembering um, that correctly? I don't recall the exact. Um, language of this yeah. but I remember this period of my life because I was listening to a lot of hardcore history and I would do these like long walks in Griffith Park and actually one of them I got really kind of lost mm-hmm. You, I didn't realize how lost you can get up there I thought like oh these are like trails yeah once you get past the main stuff it's uh, yeah. pretty windy and I was like didn't have service and I was like fuck <laughs> am I gonna like, like die am I gonna up get here? lost in yeah. Hollywood kind like, of <laughs> I know like I can see everything yeah um but yes, I did. I'm a huge podcast fan in general. But um, I was going through a period, a, a deep uh, hardcore history period, deep hardcore history period. Because the amount of times I've done long hikes, just crushing hardcore history, I saw that and was like, I just climbed a mountain listening <laughs> to like the Accumulated Empire like yeah. series. Like that's crazy to me. You obviously listened to that podcast. Have you like listened to all of them? I haven't listened to all of them. Um, I kind of like shorter form okay. produced like audio material. It's basically an audio book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which like I don't listen to audio books. Okay. I, re- I read a lot, but I don't, I don't listen to audio books. I'm not exactly sure why, but so yeah, I think that's maybe the deterrent for me. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, do I want to like 
undergo a massive... Yeah, am I getting on here for 14 hours? Yeah. But I do enjoy it. And I think, like, I think the reason he's so successful beyond... Just a normal history podcast. Just normal history is like, you know, his like passion. He's a great storyteller. He's an amazing entertainer. And like, he's just, it's fun to listen to. And I think like. You have to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's just got the coolest voice. It's so cool too, to me, just generally about life. And it's my attitude about like performing and whatever. Like, I, I just like things when I can tell the person doing it likes it. Yeah. Or cares or is really trying, even if it's not good. Like I would rather watch a, a show or a performance of somebody who's like maybe not great, but like passionate and happy and mm-hmm. trying than like a complacent expert or yeah. something. You know, like I just find that like ugh, the best the best thing is when I can hear somebody feel excited about what they do, even if it's like the most random or like banal or meaningless yeah. or like whatever shit it is in the world. Like that's like. I think it's a very beautiful thing. And I think it's why he's he's so compelling and great to listen to. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. I just like that's my favorite podcast probably of all time. And so it's an excellent. Just one. anytime I find out someone's listened to it, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Word. And specifically hiking because that's like that is my escape. Yeah. Uh, when did you like go on your first tour? How did that start? Was that god. with RCA? I'm trying to think. My first tour, my first like K-Flay tour was I opened for Passion Pit. Okay. On this, like, there used to be a thing called the Campus Consciousness Tour. Mm. I don't know if it still exists, but it was basically, like, you play they'd colleges? get, like, four different, four bands that were all, like, different styles and go oh, to a well. bunch of colleges. And that was, like, when I was alone. So I, yeah. I did that tour literally. Just with tracks and just stuff? Just me. There, I had no crew, nothing. <laughs> just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I did my merch. I did the show alone. For a long time, I played just me. And then I added a drummer, like, a couple of years in. But... Mm. Yeah, I think it was also beneficial me learning how to be on stage by myself, which is like kind of a terrifying experience. Yeah, there's no band even to hide behind. There's no one to look to. Yes. Yeah. Just... And I don't think I realized how terrifying it was until I added people and then I was like, oh my God, how, how the fuck <laughs> was I just so up there? Much yeah. better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was like, that was my, my first tour. I remember. That must have been kind of, I mean, was that lonely a little bit? Because like, mm-hmm. even if you're surrounded by other bands, it's just you with your band. Yeah. yeah. I read a lot of books. I found that I read, as my as my music career has continued, I read fewer books on tour because I enjoy spending time with you're surrounded by the people. people that, and there's more people now. Yeah. So, and the longer you do it, the more you surround yourself. Like, I think that's like everyone's career. You slowly find the right people to surround yourself with, and then yeah. you're happy to be with this family on the road. Totally. Because um, I think on that, that first tour, I read... The entire Hunger Games trilogy. I believe I read all three of them, plus like maybe three other books. And we're talking this is like a three-week tour. Yeah. So I was definitely... You're a fast reader. I'm a fast reader, and I was kind of lonely. And I didn't drink, really. Mm-hmm. And when you don't drink on tour, and you're kind of lonely, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of time. There's a there lot of free time. There is a lot time. of free yeah. time to read. And yeah. you're playing a 30-minute set. Yeah. yeah. How is that? Did you did you like the process of touring? Like right, right off the bat at all? I did like the process of touring right off the bat. And I actually think it goes to sort of the hard work thing. Because, like, yeah. touring, especially, like, early days, is a lot of, like, hard work. Of a lot like of manual labor. Lifting. Yeah, yeah. Like, driving a van. There's sort of a physicality to it that yeah. I think I I liked. And yeah. I think people... Whenever You're a roadie. I, yeah. You start off as a roadie. You start off as a roadie. <laughs> and, like, when I meet musicians who've continued doing it and, and tour, like, for a living, mm-hmm. 
I think there's a very common appreciation and enjoyment of the physical labor portion. Even yeah. though it's nice when other people can help you lift things as yeah. you as you build out a crew, there's something gratifying about like building your stage setup and tearing it down and putting it in the van, yeah. bringing it into the hotel putting it back in the van you know like and i think i like finding that. the right fit in the back of the van the pack the playing pack. tetris yeah playing tetris yeah i mean there's also there's a lot of people who skip a lot of those steps too sometimes and i think you appreciate life and touring a lot more when you start out doing everything yourself yeah and i think i think it's fun you know like i've well there's a camaraderie especially when it's a small group and you're all doing it together then there's like this camaraderie of like well we all worked hard you know and so we're all appreciative it's teamwork. Yeah. Teamwork's a really good feeling. Yeah. When you can have it. So you've been touring for how long now? So that would be like seven years. And what what are your like top spots around the country to, to stop? Like where are you excited to when a tour's routed? Ooh, um okay, where am I excited when a tour's routed? Okay, well the Bay Area. My okay. my parents live there. It's like my musical hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Bay. A bunch of my friends still live there. I lived there after college. Um, so the Bay is probably number one. Chicago, because I still have some family out yeah, there. Of Plus, course. Chicago's a great like yeah. from a live music, and you know this like mm-hmm. the crowds in Chicago are awesome. Yeah, it's like one of the biggest markets for a lot of bands. It's just Chicago's a great a live good music, music city. city. Um, Minneapolis as well has been very good to yeah. me historically um i i really like omaha Omaha's cool for a small town yeah like omaha just it's kind of a cool vibe out there um i found some really good old decks of cards and like whoa. like in like antique or like vintage stores there interesting yeah there's a lot of cool spots in there and, i could see that Lincoln too yeah yeah um where else is super fun um we always have a good time in georgia Atlanta's like been it's a lot of again, really good food in Atlanta too. Kind of like historically a great place. Um, Are you pretty food yeah. motivated? <laughs> um, That's how people describe dogs, I guess. But like, no. Okay. I mean, I like food. I get excited about <laughs> like the food I'm going to eat in certain towns more than anything else. Sometimes, yeah. I'm not as much like that, okay. but there are people in the touring group that are like that, and mm-hmm. I think I benefit from their enthusiasm. From being surrounded by yes. them. And I'm then, just like, and I don't taking to think you about somewhere. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I'm like them, but yeah. Which is a blessing and a curse because then the whole band is like, where are we eating tonight? It's like, right. I don't, why do I have to find, figure out everyone's <laughs> dinner plans? Yeah. yeah. That's your, it's your cross to bear. It's my cross to bear. I'll die on that hill. You'll it's die okay. on that hill. <laughs> Because then I get to eat wherever I want to eat, too. Right. So it works out. But, yeah, so there's not, like, you don't have, like, spots where you're, like, I'm going to Atlanta. I have to go here. No. Not okay. really. All right. I'm kind of, I'm a, I'm a bit utilitarian when it comes mm-hmm. to food. I, I definitely enjoy it. I have, I think, alcohol, coffee, and food, I have a, a common mentality mm-hmm. about, which is I love it when it's nice, but I'm fine with it not being. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I was drinking coffee made in my hotel room. That's just fine with me. If you had like brought me a, which you should not have, but I'm saying in a hypothetical scenario, (laughs) if you had like, you know, maybe brought me something nice, (laughs) that Um, would have been cool too. But but. if you had brought me like some gourmet coffee, I would also be stoked and like enjoy it genuinely. It's like, I'll drink the shittiest beer ever, but I will also take great enjoyment and Mm. refreshment from like, you know, some weird like craft IPA or something. Um, 
the knocking. Is that for you? Let's find out. It could be Paul. I don't know what time it is. What up, podcast? How's it going? How's it going, man? We have a we have a visitor to the podcast. Josh, yeah. do you want to say hi? Hello. He's a mysterious uh, man. And what do you, what do you do in the? Uh, I'm the guitar bass guy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guitar bass guy. Yeah. Do you? I mean, you've been doing this for kind of like performing music, touring for you said like seven years, performing mm-hmm. for like fourteen or like making music for like fourteen yeah. years now. Um, do you? I mean, is this? as fulfilling of a life as you thought it was going to be or I mean it I guess every day is sort of kind of like a navigation and a journey through it but yeah I you know I think I entered it with very few preconceptions or expectations you know mm-hmm. not having grown up being like I want to do this and this is what it's going to look like yeah so I think that it was kind of a blessing in that it afforded me a lack of potential for disappointment at least yeah at least at the at the outset but yeah, I think I find lots of elements of this job and this life to be really fulfilling. I also feel like it's this period of my life is probably like part of the path to a different period of my life. Not to say that that precludes me doing music, but I certainly mm. think like this way of being isn't going to be my way of being yeah. for the rest of my life, you know, but I think it's it's given me a skill set. Like that's kind of what I feel like with touring I, I feel like i could do anything i'm like you could just drop me somewhere and like yeah i have the the resilience and like a toolkit to, yeah. to cope with the uncertainties of a situation yeah. or like um and i don't think i had that skill set you know when i was 21 yeah and so that's to me that's sort of the most fulfilling part of it is like every day i kind of get a sense of like self-efficacy i'm like okay there were obstacles and we did it. We like put on the show or we like got through the snowstorm or we, yeah, we made it work. Yeah. And I think that that kind of like teamwork and troubleshooting and problem solving mm. for me is that's like the crux of it. That's what I really enjoy about the job and, um, about the lifestyle because I think the ability to like troubleshoot, think on the fly, be flexible. Those are, yeah. those are like good things to have. Totally. Well, great. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much um, for having me. Thank you for yeah, giving me some time in Cleveland. Of course. Thanks for spending it. And I'll uh, I'll be doing an intro to this, and that's where I'll critique your show that I'm going to see you love later. Love it. Love it. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.